Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Welcome back, Life Group leaders and apprentices to our podcast, I pray and hope that this time that we spend together during the week through this podcast would be a helpful way to equip you to prepare for leading your life group and growing in your own faith. Well, this week we started a brand new series in the Gospel of Matthew, starting in chapter 8 in verses 1 through 4 with our sermon series, Jesus is Greater. And this sermon subtitle was Purifying Our Uncleanness. And I'll read to you the text of Scripture that we will be looking at Uh, this week and as I preached this Sunday. So I'll start there in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. The preaching point derived from our main text was this, that humbly responding to the authority of Jesus is necessary for anyone who desires to obtain the mercy of God. Uh, And this preaching point was disseminated to us in an applicational variety uh, through these three points. Number one, we need to show deference to God's will. The picture that we see of the leper as he approaches Christ in ultimate humility shows a large deference to the will of God in spite of his uh, really uh, unfortunate situation. And it shouldn't be a surprise to us that Uh, in receiving the mercy of God requires us to have a deference to the will of God, whether we're talking about salvation or our sanctification. uh, In salvation, we have to defer to God's will. It is his justice and and his holiness and and trust and pray that Christ is going to clothe us in his righteousness, that we may receive his holiness and live that out. Uh, Even trusting Christ uh, and, and being saved, it shows that I'm going to turned from my own will, and I'm going to defer to the will of God. And of course, in our sanctification, this is really just our daily life of deferring regularly to God's will in spite of our circumstances, uh, that we would make sure that we're going to defer and submit to God's will in in every situation we find ourselves in, which was wonderful uh, teaching and lesson of the leper as uh, thousands of years later, the leper is still speaking to us about the need to humbly defer to God's will. Secondly, entrust yourself to the authority of Christ. And I tried to do a a good job, and maybe I didn't, maybe I did, but I tried to do a really good job to show that this entire text, all verses 1 through 4, and really chapter 8 through 9, and really in, in the broad scope, all of the Gospel of Matthew, is showing us the authority of Christ. And when we see the leper going to Christ, what we see is him entrusting himself to the authority of Christ. I mean, there's a lot of implications that the leper had to work through in his heart and mind as he approaches Jesus. Uh, And all of that is predicated upon the fact that he trusted the authority of Christ to be able to cleanse him from 
uh, leprosy. And so the whole text impresses upon us the authority and the power of Christ. And so in the same way the leper was entrusting himself to the authority of Christ, like, is Christ enough to heal me is really the question that the leper asks, or really the question that we ask. And when we say yes to that, it is an automatic, even if we don't understand it explicitly, it's an automatic uh, response to the authority of Christ and us confirming that he is authoritative to save me. I mean, there has to be something about who Christ is and what he has done that is enough, that has enough power, that has enough authority to uh, solve the issue that I have. And so in salvation, and even for the rest of our life, really what we have to do is entrust ourselves to the authority of Christ, right? If he is all-powerful and omnipotent over all things, and he has authority over all things. And so therefore, in all things in my life, I will entrust myself to the ultimate authority of Christ, whether I'm going through unfortunate circumstances, whether I'm going through abundance, Um, Whether I'm like Paul, who's suffering from a thorn in the side, or whether I'm like Lydia, who is a very wealthy entrepreneur there in the book of Acts, and I'm going to entrust myself ultimately to the authority of Christ. Thirdly, we need to eagerly obey Christ's commands. Uh, Christ gives the leper a command in verse 4 that is really in line with the Mosaic law, that he would go and he would show himself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a proof to them. And I was talking this morning, so I was working out with a a few of the men at our church. I had one guy uh, bring up a a really good question that I, I ran across in my study, but didn't have time to talk about it very much. And he says, well, how was the leper supposed to uh, procure a sacrifice if he didn't have a job because he couldn't interact with the society and he couldn't have employment. So how did he offer those things? And I, I read some of the literature on this, and, and perhaps uh, the parts of the sacrifice were actually provided on behalf of the leper from the priest. But even some of the texts that I'm reading, if it tells me that there wasn't some way that the leper actually had to come up with, with the sacrifices here. Why is that important to us? Because it would have been difficult, not only for the leper to, uh, to provide the, these, this offering, uh, because he didn't have means, we, we were going to assume, because he had been dealing with this for so long, he didn't have money, and he, didn't, he wasn't able to interact in the economy uh, there in Galilee. And so we're, we're going to believe and trust, okay, he didn't have the means to do these things. And so uh, not only did he had to come up with a means to to have this sacrifice, see, there's also a number of other things that he had to overcome to obey Christ's commands. I mean, think for a minute, if he's a leper, and even though he's healed, we understand there that he was immediately healed, he was made clean. I mean, he still looked in a lot of ways like a leper. And he had to walk through uh, the communities. He had to go to the temple while he looked like a leper. Can imagine the, the, the fear and the trepidation and the concern that he has of what other people are going to think about him, what they're going to say about him. It might be easier for him in so many ways just to go off on his own and do his own thing, but yet he had to overcome a lot of uh, mental gymnastics, and he had to, at the end of the day, just say, I'm going to do what Christ has told me to do, and I'm going to do it eagerly. Actually, we see uh, in uh, the, the Mark's account 
of the leper. Uh, when Jesus said, go, don't go tell anybody what has happened here, we actually have the leper disobeying Christ in that sense and going and just telling everybody. He's like, can you believe what's happened to me? So we've seen him overcome uh, any kind of fear that he would have of revealing himself to other people. And we see him, hey, at the end of the day, he's going to do what Christ told him to do. And of course, we see him disobeying in a sense when he's telling people what Christ has done. But ultimately, we, we believe because the text commands him to do it, that he has gone to the temple and he's offering the prescribed offering of Moses as a proof to them. And at the end of the day, we're obeying Christ's commands. Uh, even if it's difficult and we're wondering where's the means for these things to happen. I mean, it's the same picture that we see with Abraham and Isaac when God tells Abraham to go to Mount Moriah and to sacrifice his son, and Isaac says, well, well, Pa, you know, where's the offering going to come from? And then, then Abraham says this wonderful thing. He says, don't worry, my son, the Lord will provide an offering. And sure enough, as he's up there, and he's about to, for the Lord, sacrifice his son, an angel stops him, and, and then there's a ram caught in the thicket over there, and sure enough, God provided the sacrifice. And so at the end of the day, we're called to obey, and we're going to trust that God is going to provide. And so we need to eagerly obey Christ's commands, regardless what the circumstance is, and, and regardless what we see in our own mind as our ability and our means to get it done. Really, what we got to do is say, God has the means to get everything done that he has called us to do. And so I'm going to trust that if I seek first the kingdom of God, he's going to provide the means for me to accomplish his will. And I trust that as you're talking to your life group about that this week, that'll be a big part of your discussion. That along with uh, even, I think, parts of the sermon where I'm talking about this idea of suffering in light of God's will and deferring to God's will in, in light of our suffering. I think those two concepts can go a long way uh, in your life group discussion this week. All right, life group leaders, uh, I tried again uh, to make some of these questions very practical uh, as we're talking about God's mercy and receiving God's mercy through humility, uh, giving really basic practical uh, application, which I hope you do. I know in so, so many ways, it's easy for your life groups to uh, comment on Scripture and not ap apply the Scripture. And we always say we want applicators, not just commentators. we got plenty of commentaries out there in the world. We don't have enough applicators out in the world. And so I trust that you're leading in that. Help them understand how, how, well, how what does it mean to apply? I mean, it was, okay, I get what this text says. I get what this application question is asking me to do. And like question 2A, how can you practically defer to God's will in your life? And then you can say, okay, well, in my marriage uh, as a husband, um, I am in an argument with my wife. And this is a good example of how you can teach your, your people in your group to be practical. Well, I'm in an argument with my wife, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with sin. It has to do with my preference. And Scripture tells me to live in an understanding way with my wife that our prayers may not be hindered. And so I'm like, okay, well, prayers are way more important than preferences. And so... I'm going to say, you know what? I am not going to create unnecessary conflict here. So I'm going to defer to the word of God who tells me to live compassionately and kindly, kindly with my wife. And, uh, you know, if it has nothing to do with sin, it's just a preference of mine, then I'm going to defer even to my wife's wants and desires in that moment. And I'm going to both save us from conflict and I'm, and I'm going to empower our prayers to be uh, effective. And uh, that right there is just a wonderful, simple way to defer to God's will in your life. And I encourage you, use examples like that because people are begging in their hearts and in their souls to know how to uh, live for the Lord. And this small things like that are going to be very helpful for you guys as you're leading in your group this week.
you have a Bible study question of the week, and just a reminder, your Bible study question of the week found there at the bottom of your note sheet is just a continuation of your men's and women's Bible study. And so as we go through the letter letter of Philippians, we're going to take big chunks and we're going to study it together week by week through these Bible study questions of the week. And then when we meet once a month for men and once a month for women, we're going to then zoom in and pick out a couple of verses and exposit those together. And so really what will happen for the most part, as we're studying on our own, as we're using these Bible study questions of the week, and as we're gathering together monthly to study the book of Philippians, we'll have a pretty uh, solid uh, amount of, of content to be able to work through a study of Philippians together. And so you got another one this week that says to read Philippians 1, 7 through 8. And it talks about this Greek word for affection that you find there in chapter 1, verse 8, splanknon, right, which means inward parts, my guts and my bowels or my spleen and this is how Paul says he loves and, and really has this affection for the Philippian church that just goes all the way into his guts. And, uh, you know, I think that's a really graphic depiction of the way that Paul feels about the Philippians. But we all know when we've had uh, affections or feelings or uh, that go down into our guts and you just have a guttural reaction or you, you know, you just feel it deep down and your stomach is twisted. I mean, we use terms like this even in our own life. And really w- what I want you to do, and even as you're talking to your life group about this, uh, not that you're having to go through this question explicitly in your life group, but when it comes up and if it comes up, help them understand it's a deep uh, affection that is more than just a superficial a thought about a particular person or group. It's, it's this inward, deep longing and feeling and affection toward, uh, in this context, uh, the church, and hopefully in our context, the affection we should have for our own church family. So there's your application question section. Uh, for you life group leaders, there's something I want to do soon, but it's going to take a lot of you guys making sure that uh, maybe you procure some of uh, this resource. Uh, I would encourage all of you to download Logos. And I want you to download Logos on your desktop or your laptop. If you have a laptop, I encourage you to use your laptop. Uh, you can download it, listen to me, you can, you can download it on your phone and you can download it on your iPad, but it the tools are not as useful as they would be if you were using it on your laptop. And some of the features aren't as accessible if you're not on a laptop computer. And so I encourage you, download Logos, because I'd like to do a training session on Logos for our next Life Group Leader training. Now, there's a free version of Logos, and there's multiple paid versions of Logos. You can spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on Logos, or technically you can get uh, a base level of it for free. I'd encourage you, you're already, I know your Life Group Leaders, you're already investing in resources anyway. Pick up, pick up a, a small basic uh, package. I mean, I, there's like packets for like 80 bucks or 100 bucks. You know, I would encourage you, if you have some uh, finances to put towards some resources, buy Logos or at least download the free version that I believe comes with somewhere between 60 to 100 resources, even just the free version. And I want to help you guys learn how to utilize uh, some of these resources in Logos to have deeper study in your own time. And I hope and trust that it'll teach you how to have deeper uh, discussion and, and more in that well of wisdom that God has given you through the resources he's given you to pour out to your uh, life group. And so download Logos online, logos.com. You can find so many resources there. And if you buy these packages, it comes with a lot more. Or you can buy individual resources as you see 
uh, a desire to learn about a, a specific thing or a book or topic. Anyway, go ahead and do that. Uh, I'll talk to you guys more about it later, but I just want to put that out in front of you so we can start getting uh, some more resources for you guys as you're leading your groups. All right, our final section is announcements. You guys saw that we are hosting the National Equip Conference in June of this year. We're going to gather together as a church from the 14th to the 16th with all of our sister churches. We're going to come together and we are going to talk about what is the gospel. And we want to be preaching a biblical gospel and we want to make sure everyone is doing it. And I'd encourage you, go to equippedconference.com. You will see all the plenary sessions. You'll see all the breakout sessions and all the kinds of topics. I mean, we're going to be looking at how to evangelize Mormons. We're going to be able, we're talking about the use of apologetics in our evangelism. We're going to talk about cultural counterfeits of uh, repentance and faith. I mean, these are just some of the breakouts. And, and we'll see many more about how, to, uh, how when and how to talk about creation and evolution, uh, leveraging your marriage to share Christ, how to evangelize Muslims. I mean, how to evangelize Roman Catholics. I mean, I can keep going. Uh, there's so many good things on here. And there's even a woman's track. So, there are multiple breakouts that are just for gals only, and I encourage you guys, uh, as, as you're learning about these, go tell the other women. Um, you know, you, you gals who are listening to this, there's a, a morning session breakout on Saturday that is how wives should and shouldn't evangelize their husbands who have unsaved husbands. And there's another one on Saturday evening that says how and when to share the gospel with children. What a wonderful question. It's been coming up a lot at our church. Be a wonderful way to resource you guys for much effective ministry. So I encourage you, register as soon as possible for this and encourage your group to do the same. We have Exploring Compass. Uh, our January session started on Sunday, and we have another one coming up in March. And so encourage anyone in your group or anyone you know coming to church who does not have, uh, who doesn't have community here, who's not a part of our church yet, or maybe who's been visiting and they've been kind of on the tertiary, the edges, Bring them in and encourage them to sign up for our next session of Exploring Compass. Our students, D Now, is February 14th through the 16th. So I encourage you guys to get your kiddos signed up for that and invite those in your life group to sign their 6th graders through 12th graders up to their our Discipleship Now. Where we are going to be talking about having an ambitious faith from Hebrews chapters 11 and 12. Last two announcements is Women's Bible Study. It starts back up on the 28th, and look forward to having all you gals together again as you fellowship and sit under the teaching of God's Word and break out into your life groups at 9 o'clock there at Compass, uh, on the campus of Compass Bible Church. And then finally, our Next Steps project, we had an update on Sunday, and we learned that we are 85% there to our 100% goal of $150,000. Now we're praying, we got our build team thinking and praying and meeting together to figure out what the best way is to utilize the space that God's given us. And we have some ideas, we have some plans, and we're just praying that God would uh, clarify uh, exactly what we need to do to meet these growing uh, numbers of next generation, our kids and students and our life groups and, and all the ministry that we're doing. So just pray that God would uh, give us clarity in, in what we ought to do as we're looking to expand into the warehouse spaces of our building, but we're 85% there. We do hope maybe we can raise more than our 150 if we want to make sure we get everything done that we know we need to get done, at least for the next couple of years. Just be praying uh, about your giving, be praying about our church's uh, means that God would provide for us to accomplish uh, all the things that we've set out to do in this Next Steps project. So with that being said, 
We look forward to seeing how God's going to meet those needs for our Next Steps project. I'm looking forward to your life groups this week, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next week.